Record Shop is a digital collectible platform for music NFTs on the Flow blockchain. Hey fam, this is Redbird here from the Record Shop community team, and I am happy to welcome you to our podcast. We are sharing our live content here so you can stay up to date. Subscribe or follow now to keep up. Today's episode is a recording from an October 2022 Twitter Spaces with myself, Nick from the Disco Fries, and our guests, Mike and Andrew from Nervous Records. As one of the longest standing independent record labels in the US, Nervous Records has built its reputation through a willingness to take chances on new sounds and new producers. Their innovative spirit has enabled Nervous to build a catalog of hits that spans the complete range of underground dance and hip hop genres. Now they're taking on Web3 with the introduction to Nervous Records Pack, which includes exclusive edits of 10 tracks, giving collectors a taste of the label's early 90s output. The pack is only $20 US and available right now on app.recordshop.com. All right, uh, let's dive in. So for those who don't know me, I am Redford, um, community manager here at Record Shop. And uh, over here beside me is Nick from the Disco Fries. Hey, Nick. Hey, Lisa, how's it going? This is Nick from Disco Fries, um, early investor in Record Shop and on the artist strategy and marketing side of things with Record Shop. Uh, psyched to be here today with the fine gentleman from Nervous. We're excited to have a dropout from right now on Record Shop. Uh, so we'll jump into that and all things Nervous related if you're not familiar with them. Um, they are some of the pioneers in the dance music space as a label. So excited to talk to these guys. Uh, Mike, would you like to introduce yourself um, and Nervous Records and Andrew as well? And just kind of give an overview for the audience who might not be familiar with who you are. Sure thing. Um, so uh, my name is Mike Weiss, and I started Nervous Records back in 1991. And, uh, you know, we're an independent label. Uh, in that time, in that era of music, um, it was somewhat more common for labels to be, especially independent labels, to be jumping into different types of genres. And so, you know, our goal back then was really to represent what was happening in New York City nightclubs, the music that was happening. And nightclubs back then were a lot more integrated musically. You could really easily hear house and hip hop um, and reggae even back then at the same, during the same set from a certain DJ. So we kind of jumped into all genres. Um, and, you know, we had a logo, this cartoon logo. Back then, the labels that were really buzzing, the independent labels, the names, you know, represented a lot. You had like Def Jam and Profile and Select and Tommy Boy, um, Next Plateau. But no one really had any um, strong branding to go with it. So that's why right away I thought, you know, we could really distinguish ourselves by having a logo that, um, that stood out. And the logo really did help us a lot because, um, you know, for whatever reason, it, it caught on very quickly, especially in Europe. And... Um, so the branding was really strong right away. And, you know, we, we started out the label with some very strong releases. Basically, you know, I wanted to get the guys who were representing the top, the, the hottest underground sounds at that moment. And that was um, Todd Terry, Roger Sanchez, Kenny Dope. And so really the first three releases were from those three. And then Louis Vega jumped in because he did a mix on Kenny's release. Um, so, you know, 
I'd say since then, I feel like we almost kind of launched into orbit pretty quickly. The, um, you know, the merchandise was so strong right away. The merchandise, in fact, started before the label even because I had sent the, um, I had sent an announce sheet out by fax. You know, back then it was all faxing. So I sent an announce sheet out to a bunch of record stores in London, um, telling them about this new label coming, Nervous New York, and the logo was on there. And someone actually took that fax and made a bootleg t-shirt of the logo, just from the fax. And, um, you know, again, communication, this is 1991. Social media did not exist. Um, you know, I mean, cell phones were even you know, not so normal. I mean, people had them, but they weren't as common as they are now. But it took a little while, but about a month later, the guy who did it was very honest. And he told me, his name was Graham. He was an old school merchandising guy going back to like the 60s. He told me he had been selling some of those t-shirts at the soul parties they had. Um, like back then they had this thing, Southport Weekender. Well, they still have it, but they were common in England. And he said they were doing so great. So he wanted to pay me and he wanted to do a regular licensing deal. That actually happened before we even released any music. So when I did start releasing the vinyl, it was embraced immediately because the, the logo was so buzzy. I mean, I think it was someone, um, that was a time when ecstasy was really popular in England. It was coming from Amsterdam. So I think that they, that character, they associate that with some, you know, like a druggy type thing, but it really was very buzzy so quickly. So the combination of the merchandise and the label coming together in a, in a positive impact way Again, I feel like, you know, that's my feeling. You have to go into orbit as a company. The launch has to be so strong. And, you know, literally, here it is, 20, 31 years later, and still kind of representing the same thing and, and still being pretty successful at it. Yeah, super impressive what you guys are still able to do on the merch side. I mean, a lot of labels in your scenario or that started around your time. Um, either got swallowed up, consolidated, and like the culture of the brand isn't what it what it is it, what it used to be anymore. Um, so it's it's pretty awesome that you were you're still able to you personally are still able to be super involved in the brand and and steer the company, but also maintain that culture of people buying uh, the merch, which you know now is such a rarity. Um, yeah, would love to hear from Andrew to jump in on on this and introduce himself and his involvement in the label. Ah, who wants to talk on this thing anyway? <laughs> uh, no, so I'm I'm Andrew. I'm general manager of Nervous and A and R. I've been there for just about 13 years now, a little more. Um, and for me, you know, it's more a matter of you know the the origins of the label um, will are there and they'll always be there. But you know how to take a, a company of now, as Mike said, 31 years, and to help keep it as relevant as it was on day one and kind of steer it. Um, into the future and beyond. So that that's kind of really my day-to-day uh, overall job. What do you guys look for now? Like knowing what the sound of Nervous was when it started um, versus, you know, where music is now and where it's headed. Um, and obviously you guys are really well dialed with getting stuff still played on radio and so forth. Where where are you headed with what you're signing and what you're looking at signing? Um, you know, I don't really want to say it's like counterculture, but the, the, the moment something immediately goes wide all around the globe, I feel like everyone tries to imitate that in terms of like demos. I just think, you know, especially with, you know, I think the most recent example is, you know, the, the A craze, do it to it. You know, that was a, a massive hit and props to him. But following that, you know, how many, you know, 
hundreds, if not thousands of songs started to appear just like that. Um, so I, I think when you have something like that, it's when something becomes overground, I immediately go back underground. Right. Um, but, but, but yeah, you, you kind of have to, because when something like that happens, it, that, that will remain current for probably two to three years in the mainstream, if not more. Um, so it's, you know, who are the people that were making the sounds big today when that first came out 18 months ago? So that's kind of what I look for. That's awesome. And I, I obviously you, you're always putting me up on music and um, you're really great about sharing stuff on socials. Mike, what, what's kind of uh, triggering you these days as far as music goes? What are you most excited about that's happening in the space? Well, um, I mean, again, I do have to say just in, in respect to Andrew, great tribute to him because he really does find producers. I mean, it's, it's you know, he finds great tracks, but he's able to find these producers who are very green, you know, brand new, and, and, you know, he'll hear what they're doing on a raw demo level, and then he knows how to, you know, kind of a, a lead guide them to where it makes sense and where it can be something that can then bubble up. Um, no, I mean, again, he, and he, we're, we're very much in sync in terms of the importance of, you know, doing things that just aren't what everyone else is doing at the moment. Obviously, it always has to work in the dance floor. That's the essential thing for us. But, um, you know, who's, 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 you know, pushing the envelope and, and pushing the sounds. And that's the role we try to fill. So, um, you know, I, again, I, that's been the philosophy all along. And it's incredible how so frequently we'll do things and then we'll see it become so popular, you know, very quickly right after. Um, so, I, you know, I mean, like this guy, Ewan McVicker, Andrew literally found that guy just, just starting out. We had Zoom talks with him. You know, you say bedroom DJ, literally in his bedroom, just like playing stuff out of his computer. So he, you know, there's a lot of people that he that he's working with now that are, you know, equally interesting. He's working with a guy named Hugo, who's showing a lot of promise. Um, you know, we, we release, we have a very aggressive release schedule, which is probably overwhelming. I mean, I think it's almost too much to even handle. Sometimes it's, it's five to six releases a week, which... um. You know, it sounds crazy, but I think just on a, on a branding standpoint, and again, this has been my philosophy with the merchandise too, and it seemed to work. I feel like the audience we're dealing with when it comes to DJs and especially younger DJs, I mean, I, this, this is a youth business all the time, so there's always new people coming up, but imagine the attention span now is so short, so I feel like you really have to stay visible all the time. I, we're very aggressive. Uh, we're very heavily involved in events too. And I feel like, again, that's just another way to keep us very present um, in what's going on. It, you know, you mentioned before, Nick, about the fact that we, we've been able to stay true to what the label's representing because um, we never did any conglomeration or, or never sold out. I mean, the opportunities were often there, especially there was a time in the mid-90s when we jumped into hip-hop and had massive success really quickly with a couple albums that did over, you know, two albums that did over 400,000 copies. Although back in the early, mid-90s, it's crazy. That was almost common. I mean, major labels would debut an album, you know, Tribe Called Quest, okay, double platinum. You know, so that's that was the arena we were in. So we thought, I mean, in retrospect, those two albums, we signed this group Black Moon and, and a group called Smith & Wesson. Those two albums were amazing. But back then, in retrospect, we didn't feel that great about it because, you know, we were competing with Nas. Like, Nas was blowing up, going platinum, but we didn't have major label distribution. And, and that opportunity was there, you know. It was more Atlantic. 
They wanted to make a really big deal with us and, and a partnership. And um, I just knew, you know, I, I knew, okay, yes, it was a significant amount of money, but I could see, and number one, you know, when you get big chunks of money like that, you're basically paying the U.S. government. Whatever you do, you, they're getting half. So that was one, you know, disincentive. But um, the in terms of the label's future, I, I saw the writing on the wall. I saw what happened. Whenever a label did a deal with a major company, it would take a little while. You know, you still feel the energy a little bit, but eventually the label's lost because that's what major companies do. They don't need your branding. They have their own branding. You know, so they want to get the artist. So what they do is they take your acts and then you're kind of left by the wayside. Um, but I mean, musically, you know, again, house music is, is, is in a great state right now because you have some of the really, you know, experts and, and the legends of the industry, guys like Louis Vega, guys that we actually worked with in the beginning, Louis Vega and Kenny Dope. They're still very, very active. But then you have this new generation coming up who's so actively involved in learning about their music and then taking it and, you know, creating their own sounds with it. So um, it does seem like a very exciting time for music, you know, at least for us. All right, last question, and I'm going to throw it over to Lisa to, to talk all things Record Shop for a second. But, um, you know, for, for a label like you guys that has been around a while and you are searching for new artists, but the, the paradigm is shift and, you know, like you, any producer could go online, distribute their music. It's a lot easier now, which in a lot of ways is great, but in a lot of ways it's, it just creates a noise, a big noise problem in the space where there's just tons and tons of music coming out every day. Latest stat I saw was like a hundred thousand records a day. I don't know if that's entirely true, but it's still insane. What, what would you say? Like when you go to a new artist and, um, you know, offer them some sort of deal, like what is your main pitch at this point? Um, you know, as a label, like, because they can self distribute, what is the angle? Um, I think a lot of it is, you know, when you, no matter which door you go through, like for specifically for us, you know, when you sign to us, a, a lot of doors automatically become um, unlocked that would be otherwise locked if you were to like distribute yourself. And I guess what I mean by that is, you know, if you're just an independent uh, artist with no kind of real cachet or, or, or name for yourself just yet, you're starting out. You know, you can't really pick up the phone and call Sirius XM or Radio One or, or any of these like radio stations or, or big DJs. But, you know, if we call them, they answer. And and I don't think you can really put a monetary value on that. Um, I mean, also, though, what you said, Nick, about being so many releases, I think the fact is you, you definitely have a better chance of getting awareness on your release if it's coming through nervous because the labels, you know, the labels history and the labels audience now. So, um, you know, is, is that even in itself, and, and again, as pro with respect to producers, you know, jumping in this as a career, the reality is the income is <clears throat> swayed so heavily toward live shows, you know, as opposed to music for everybody. I mean, top to bottom, no matter the, or the early guy, the guys starting out are the biggest DJs still, the music they make in the shows. So we're a really great vehicle to help get your exposure on your, on your music that then you can use to help get, you know, more shows. I'm really excited to hear more about what you are envisioning for your digital collectibles. Um, we, you dropped your nervous uh, introduction to nervous records and it had 10 tracks. 
Um, and it was really great because we got the full album um, directly in our collection right away. Uh, I had a really good time just listening through it all. Um, and of course, you dropped the saxy track first, which was sort of playing at the beginning of the space really poorly if you were listening in. Um, I'm sure, Nick, when you do the podcast, you can throw that in full length, maybe at the end of the episode. Um, but I really, like, I just really enjoyed it. It's a bit of a different sound for Record Shop, um, you know, more sexy. <laughs> but I would love to hear what you guys are thinking, how uh, digital collectibles and NFTs are going to play into your strategy going forward with artists. <clears throat> Mike, you want to take this or you want me to throw, throw uh, it? You can, you can throw it, throw it in, oh. Andrew. Yeah, so I think, you know, this is, uh, like you said, it's our first foray kind of into this uh, Web3 space. Um, but, you know, it's it's exciting to see that, you know, what the possibilities can be. And for me, you know, I, I just think it's an additional marketplace and where we can, you know, not only gain um, people who aren't familiar with the brand, but people who are, you know, loyal to the brand, which I kind of find is, you know, especially Mike said before about the merch, you know, whenever an order comes in, it just go, goes across all of our emails. And I kind of see the same you know, repeating names kind of over and over again. I guess you can dub them as super fans. But I guess with that, it's, you know, it's people throughout the years when you when you love a brand and you like a brand, you kind of stick to that. So it's it's kind of almost giving giving back to the fans. So, you know, part of the things that uh, we can continue to expand on is with this, when you purchase this collectible, uh, you, you know, we're going to start airdropping uh, discount codes to merchandise. We're going to airdrop free tracks. Uh, we found some vintage, um, you know, never before worn, no longer in production, uh, really high quality merchandise from like uh, the 90s. Uh, and it's all just, you know, it's just our way of, you know, showing thanks for still, still continuing to support uh, our brand and, and an independent brand 30 plus years into the future. So... Well, and yeah, I love that. And I loved the rewards that you are giving away. It's cool to think like, oh, all this vintage stuff that's been maybe sat in the back of a warehouse and you've stumbled across it and you're like, hey, this is a great thing that we can give to our fans. Yeah, I think, you know, when, when you know, digital collectibles first started, I think people originally kind of thought of them as one of one type things. And maybe that's still a thing. Uh, but I do see it more as, you know, you're, kind of buying into a community that will uh, in turn, you know, continue to reward you. So that, that, I think that's where more our head is at with this. Love that. Yeah. That's very in line with what we like to think about here at record shop. Um, Squiddy, I saw you were waving frantically when they were talking about super fans. So I thought you might have something you want to add into that. <laughs> well, it's criminal that this space has, eight viewers right we got some absolute legends in the house this is again i i don't know if i'm a super fan when it comes to merch but you know i'm, I'm a house head right and to see nervous come in you know I, I like record shop i've collected some things in the past and they had todd terry um around I love what you guys are doing seeing nervous kind of tap in i just want to show love to the space and yeah just be be part of the conversation because i'm a nervous super fan when I come to Miami, I bring my parents to the nervous pool party because I try and find that equal medium, right? Like I want something that they'll get down with, right, but still get an education, right? So let them listen to Kenny Dope, let them listen to Louis Vega, just choose some Tobias, right? So big fan. I could talk forever. Um, but yeah. Appreciate I, that, buddy. I, I had to, 
Yeah, I had to pop in because uh, I love what you guys do. My, like, super fan when it comes to merch is, like, Bedrock Records. I, I love Digweed. Mm-hmm. Um, have you guys ever booked him for party, by the way? Have I ever what? Have you guys ever released a Digweed track? Mm, don't think so. I don't think so. We, you know, we were know involved with um, doing the parties at Output when that was still open. So we were involved with the the last time. In fact, the last um, New Year's Eve that was open, he – oh, no, the, the one before the last one, he played New Year's Day. So we I own that CD, that. Live, at, live at Output. Oh, no way. That's amazing. That yeah, that's good. one of them. We used to, um, you know – when it comes to community building, you know, I'm, I'm a lifelong community builder, and mo- a lot of that comes to do with music, right? So we had a little music group called Top Notch Vibes. They weren't playing the music we were liking, so we started the group in collective. And we was, you know, not, not to the level of nervous, but we ended up, you know, being able to do like a monthly on the rooftop of output just from like the, the little collective and, and all that that's stuff. Right. So, um, yeah, and that's kind of led me to the NFT space because just building and fostering communities and all the time, I think that like – you know, I think that what you guys are doing and just peeking into the space, you guys are in good hands with Record Shop, and I'm excited to, to support whatever drop it is. And, yeah, let's hope to see you guys at the dance floor soon. I'm in Miami full-time now recently, so, you know, Basil and Music Week and all that. So, uh, yeah, I always circle the nervous party, so hope to meet in person. Uh, cool, cool. Yeah, we're doing um, on November 3rd at Dante's Hi-Fi, an all-vinyl nervous set. So I don't know if you, yeah, if you know this locked, spot, this hi-fi locked in. Now oh, I'm, cool, I'm cool. putting it on the calendar. Cool. And shout out to my guy Caldy, my fellow board ape in the house right now. That's my friend. I don't know if he knows anything about house music, but he just always like to, to learn and listen to new stuff. So excellent. Yeah, man, keep it up and just yeah, I'll keep staying up here as a speaker. I don't want to bombard by just a big nervous fan, big house music fan, big NFT fan. Excellent. That's awesome. awesome man. I, I thanks so much for coming up here, Squiddy, and and uh, giving that great feedback. Also, love that Mike's hustling tickets to parties on this on this Twitter space. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for that. I mean, uh, the hustle never ends, man. Never I ends. I love it so much. Um, this is the first pack that we've done like this, where it's a box set. Um, you know, after talking to you guys and kind of understanding what moves the needle for your collectors like Squiddy. Um, you know, we thought it made the most sense. Like, let's let's give the people what they want. Let's give them everything all at once together as a bundle. Uh, so you guys are the first to do it on Record Shop. So I think that's pretty awesome. Uh, Mike, I'd love to hear from you about, you know, what, what you're most excited about in the digital collectible space, what you could see happening in the future with it and, and for Nervous. Well, I, you know, again, I obviously... I'm very new to the whole concept more than, you know, more than Andrew, even and you, obviously Nick, but um, look, like Andrew said, anything that could, ha- that could potentially keep the industry and keep the community vibrant and, you know, exciting to other people is always great. I mean, you know, again, I've seen the configuration change. I, I go way, way back because, uh, you know, my family, my father had a distribution company. So I literally was uh, around the business when it was eight track cartridges. So I've seen the configurations come, you know, when CDs first came in, the record labels almost sued the hardware companies they were making them. They did not want the CDs at all. They thought it was going to ruin everything. And then the retail stores didn't want to pay the money to get the new configurations in the stores. But look what CDs did. CDs all virtually saved the industry at one point because everything got re remanufactured on CDs. So, um, and then, you know, when digital first came up, well, Napster came up, nobody was jumping in because it was all illegal. 
But then I do, I, I remember when TrackSource, they were literally one of the first ones to try to do this and no one thought it made any sense. No one understood how you can get paid on these things, get, giving digital files. So, um, and look, you know, obviously look where we are today. But I don't know, it feels really good. You know, it feels like, uh, yeah, it, even though I, I don't even know if the word configuration makes sense, but it does feel like a format that is very viable. You know, in, in us um, launching this with you, obviously it's been great working together, but we did feel like it was kind of a testing ground. And I did mention this, you know, Todd Terry, is, as um, you mentioned, he's always been very open-minded. So it was great the way he jumped in full-fledged. You know, he was right into it. But a lot of producers, especially some of the old school guys, still don't get it. And they're, they're all very protective of their music. And they don't do anything that might, you know, impinge whatever it represents in the future. So there's a lot of people still holding back because they don't really see, number one, on a monetary sense, what it can represent. And number two, what happens to the music? Where is it going to get used? So I think um, it, it still feels like a very, very early stages, right? Because I think those two big questions for everybody, number one, what do what, what the producers make? What do the artists make? Number two, can people use the music in ways that they did not envision? You know, that's the important things that people could be asking me. So, you know, we in, in doing this 10-track uh, package, we tried to do things with people that we knew would not have any problems. You know, again, we did mention this to people, and especially on the hip-hop side as well. I think the, the hip-hop catalog we have could have massive potential in this, in this realm. But those guys are all, you know, want to wait and see. So, you know, I, I think it's great we start together and we just kind of take it one step at a time and keep launching packages. And the people we work with eventually, I think, will come around. Assuming the industry, I mean, I don't know, it, it, the industry obviously feels like it's been a little turbulent, right? Because it shot out of the cannon so, with so much attention and then it seemed like it fell back a little bit. And now is it like, is it steady now or is it, you know, is it, is it the industry as a whole still going up and down? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I, <laughs> I think yeah, we're Lisa, still kind of in a bit one, of a lull. <laughs> yeah, Lisa, you can take that one first and then I'll jump in. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, we're in a tough place, right? Like things are still down. Um, you know, what a lot of people talk about right now is that it's the building phase where there's not all of that excitement, all of that liquidity in from collectors because I think there is this period of like, it's almost chicken and egg of where right. should a collector collect and incentivize artists to drop or should artists drop and then work to incentivize collector to collect it chicken and egg right now, I would say. I, I think for me also is I think anyone can sit back and have an opinion of, of pretty any platform or any, or any person, place or thing, but you, you have much more of an ability to influence and kind of shape the conversation when you're, you're kind of sitting at the table. So that's my point of view. Yeah, 100%. Agreed. I mean, that's one of the things I brought up in a lot of spaces, especially for like mid-level and upcoming artists, not necessarily like the established artists that wait. I think that's fine. Like those established artists will be just fine in the long run. Uh, But people who are at the mid-level or just coming up, like what do you have to lose by being at the table and testing it and seeing what works for you and where you can build a community and what really like what motivates your collectors and your fans to to get behind you in the space i think experimenting with all these things especially earlier in your career or when you're at a point where you might need it or you need some extra revenue from you know to make up a gap from touring i think now's the best time to to kick the tires on these things but uh we talk about it all the time in here like we're definitely in a market uh, and i think for this foreseeable future we're going to be in a market where 
um, we're going to see a lot of companies start to consolidate. And I'm sure Mike could speak to this from, you know, going through the history of the music business through the 90s and stuff. Like, I'm sure there were tons of labels that came in for those cash grabs with CDs and so forth that either got bought out or they, they weren't able to sustain when uh, the streaming era came to be a thing. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a great time for artists. So anybody who's listening or is listening after the fact, uh, I would encourage you to jump in. Right. It does seem like with um, the audio concept that it does, um, I mean, and it was really good the way you guys did kind of, you know, tell us you really should link that merch with it, link the vintage merch with it. Um, You know, the same way vinyl now is so massive, sales are insane when you look at some of these bigger mainstream artists doing these numbers and even for us we still it's incredible because we do these expensive packages that cost in the stores like 67 dollars, and they all sell the turntable sales are not commensurate with that so there's no question people are buying vinyl you know as home decor i guess so that's which is which is such an unexpected development but that's really what's happening i'm sure people are buying it just to have something cooler around the house so it feels like with this the audio concept i just don't feel like on its own it has potential. I mean, I, well, it has potential, but I think it's as the audio concept will be an essential component of something, right? Maybe it's like the full package, but I just audio on its own feels like because again, what exactly is the collector doing with it? Is he really listening to it on an exclusive basis? You know, or is it just something like you said? It's an item that you have now that you own the first one, you then sell it for more. But what makes that valuable? is it going to be important that we continually add things to the package of the, you know, right of the collectible itself. So the collectible is audio plus, 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 plus. Yeah. And it's, you know, we've seen, we just saw with um, Paul Van Dyke's drop where he did the vinyl attached to the, to the collectible, essentially the collectible in a lot of ways is like a certificate of authenticity, which, you know, NFTs are becoming known for. That's, that's a huge part of the space but you bought this premium NFT or digital collectible and you got the vinyl with it. Granted, you know, the digital collectible was 70 bucks versus if it was just a digital asset and it didn't have the vinyl connected, it probably would have been a lot more inexpensive. Uh, So I love the idea of the unlocks, whether it's a tangible unlock, like what you're doing, you're having fans kind of work towards unlocking the, the vintage merch Uh, Or it's some kind of experience where you're getting into a show or a a digital show or some kind of collaboration. I think that's really that's really what we're all about. Um, Obviously, we wish that the music could just be, you know, digital ownership and the music and that be a sustainable model. Uh, But what we're seeing in the overall space is, yes, that that is a segment in the market, but it's such a small segment of the market that to really grow as like a, you know, a big force in music you need to give more to the fans than that because they can already get that for $10 a month on Spotify. So right. what, what is that extra going to be? That's, that's really what we're, we're after. So I, I work for a video game, right? And we were building a, you know, many people call it a metaverse, right? We, we call it, we're calling it a theme park and we're going to have like land. And so I plan on having like a, the, the squiddy dome, Right where there's going to be house and techno and whatever. Like, have you thought about what the music could maybe look like in like metaverses or video games or like how you can maybe like, all right, if I own 
I own this NFT, I can kind of go to my wallet and have it as part of my playlist in, in just specifically my land. Again, I'm just making shit up, but just, you know, trying to think music and, and games and what we're, we're kind of building on our end. And this is just a generalization of music in the metaverse and that kind of ownership. Maybe when someone's on your land, they can, you know, you can kind of go through your, your you know, your sticks, right? Or your record collection and go through and, cho- and choose it because you own, there are only like 500 of them or, or whatever. I don't know if that's been anything when it comes to like additional ways of ownership and being able to display them in these digital worlds. Lisa, you want to take that one? I mean, I, I don't, th- I think all of those, it's, it's kind of like chaos theory, right? You know, like what can I do with this? I mean, the 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 possibilities are endless because right now it's up to the imagination. Um, you know, so it's more like right now everyone's, you know, you, you're buying a plane, but the runways aren't there yet. So, we'll slide into the DMs. We'll slide yeah. the DMs. Cool. Slide hey, up. Hey, Sonia. I wanted to say hello. I see you're in here. Uh, just for everyone who's tuning in Sonia is one of our collectors who actually joins us in spaces quite often so welcome hey Lisa hey everybody um I just wanted to weigh in on the vinyl um record player thing as a uh, as an auctioneer I think they're buying the vinyl and I think they're they're listening to it it's just that they're probably looking for equipment that's uh vintage um, instead of the newer style. I have both, but I think that they're buying it, they're listening to it, but they're going to estate sales and auctions, and they're buying the original stereo equipment, um, and in some cases, the large speakers, because I see it for sale all the time, and it's still going pretty high. So I just wanted to weigh in on that topic. Thank you. <laughs> That's fascinating. Hello, Abana. Welcome, welcome. How's it going? Uh, congrats on on Nervous Records on the drop as well. I was just checking it out. Um, yeah, I think with the whole vinyl thing that you guys were talking about, um, my first drop uh, early twenty twenty one. Mine was similar price, like sixty nine dollars and sixty nine cents. And you know, with mine, <clears throat> every collector, the one kind of USP that I had was that every collector got a one of one vinyl. Um, so every vinyl was different from the next. It wasn't just like your standard 180. Um, and I found out later, like with, you know, drops moving forward that, uh, the collectors were actually collecting the vinyl one. Yes. To listen, but a lot of them would then come to me to explore more because they haven't had a record player in 20 years or 10 years or however long it was. And they wanted to go, you know, explore that side of music again, that they kind of used to when they were a kid or, if they've never done it before. That's super cool. So with the one of one vinyl, I'm sure Mike and Andrew would love to know how you did that in a, so it wasn't cost prohibitive, right? And, and it was a sustainable model. Yeah. So, and I think this is something that uh, I'm, I've talked about this a lot and I'm, it's been, I think I've been in the space now for since, 2019 or something like that now it's it's been three years or something and i've said it probably hundreds of times but i think majority of people or your your general music listener vinyl you know purchaser sorry i got a call there um 
but yeah, I think your general vinyl purchaser has no idea like the process of, of pressing vinyls. Um, and I think a couple, can you guys hear me? I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting, I'm getting calls from my brother. Sorry. Um, but yeah, so I think that the general person has no idea how a vinyl is actually produced. Um, so when you're producing, you know, a two colored vinyl, um, they're they're never going to come out the same ever anyway um because it's literally two clumps of you know basically uh, vinyl that's squished down in a in a form that they can't control what it looks like um and that was something that i you know did extensive research on you know being before i released anything i, I took six months to do pure research and see how i can give something unique to my collectors um and you know I got the inspiration of doing this one of one for each, you know, collector from an artist who has nothing to do with music, um, but is, is named too much lag. And they kind of coded something called a ghost smart contract that gave every open edition NFT that they had a, uh, a one of one ghost NFT or spirit NFT that they had. So I wanted to kind of do this in a music way so that uh, just like one of you guys mentioned earlier, the, NFT for the people who were new and getting onboarded was a digital certificate of authentication. And the vinyl was that collectible to them. Um, some people use it at uh, vice versa and other people use it in a, a, a very fluid way. Um, but that moving forward has kind of, it, it helped, I think, you know, me kind of set my stamp here in the space and, you know, just able to kind of use that as, as my thing moving forward you know the last drop uh which is currently ongoing now and, and almost sold out which is nice but um you know we ended up releasing the track and it hit number one on beatport minimal deep tech and number one overall releases uh fully independent no label uh the whole nine um and you know to be fair you know shout out nervous records i you guys released one of my friends tunes recently that also did number one with mochek um and you know he helped share the record and he played the record a lot as well but you know, this was the first music NFT that charted at number one on Beatport in its respective genre and overall releases as well. So, you know, all of these things I have to attest to, you know, I, I got to give it to the NFT space for helping me kind of build my own ecosystem within music, not only Web3, but Web2 as well to kind of, you know, help other people kind of realize that they can do it as well in a way to, to help empower the artists actually get that money to be put into your release to make it be successful. Cause I'm sure as you guys know, as nervous records, like, you know, you guys have solidified luckily a amazing brand, you know, over the last 20, 30 years of amazing house music. And, you know, you guys, I'm sure know that there is not a lot of money to be made on when it comes now to like the music side of things, unless you put five to 10 K into each release. So that's kind of like my goal with this. And, you know, I've, to be fair, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I have not bought anything on Record Shop. Uh, I've been uh, a big NBA Top Shot guy, but as soon as I saw Nervous is on here, I uh, I am uh, about to buy one now. So Nervous, you guys will be my first uh, Record Shop NFT. Love it. Thank you so much. Buy two. Yeah, buy two. Yeah, actually. So what they're what Nervous is working towards? Uh, if you missed it earlier, is um, once this pack sells out, um, they're unlocking a bunch of mint vintage merch. Um, and maybe you guys can speak to the merch that's getting unlocked because it's my understanding, uh, that some of this stuff is super valuable. 
on secondary markets and um you, you can't buy it anymore obviously so would love to hear more about it um yeah i don't know again sometimes i look at those secondary markets grailed and far-fetched and it's just incredible you know they start selling for like i don't know many thousands of dollars and then i'll make a comment someone says yeah but nobody's really buying it i don't believe that actually i see them sometimes it says sold but the, the items that we're releasing one is a hockey jersey. Again, we did a limited edition hockey jersey on a mid-90s. And it ended up, it was weird. It ended up being used by the Backstreet Boys in a worldwide tour. Like, they're, I, I knew the road manager. He said to me, hey, any chance you have any, anything the guys can wear, you know, with that logo? They really like your logo. So I sent the hockey jerseys. I figured that's going to really make an impact. And then they were like, not on the cover, but they were on like the page two of Rolling Stone magazine. We're in those hockey jerseys. So anyway, it's one of those, and those are not made anymore. So and it's never been worn. You know, I just whenever we had these items um, way back then, I would always take at least a couple and put them to the side. They would filter out through the years, giving away to special people. But I always kept at least one. So that's the one I have. And then we did um, a release party for Mad Lion, his first album called Real Ting at Roseland Ballroom when that was open, and Vibe sponsored it. So we made these. Um, we made twenty five hundred vibe uh nervous hot, uh basketball jerseys basketball tank tops so those are never even for sale that was a promotional item but it's been sold many you know now it's crazy on the secondary market become for sale people who happen to have them but it's one of those two again never been worn never been used so um those are the first two items but um and then andrew we did some music also right yeah, I think there's um there's a, a a specific ratio depending on the the percentage of packs sold out. But we have a you know upcoming uh, album by you know Timmy Regisford, another you know NYC house icon. I, I believe he still has the longest running uh, club event for thirty one or thirty two years, Club Shelter. Uh, and we'll be giving away we're taking four tracks off that album and giving it exclusively for uh, record shop uh, purchasers. Guys, I got a dip. I just bought five packs. I'm excited to go about it because, yeah, I love Nervous Records. And, again, just as a community builder, what do you guys do? Um, I've been inspired by Nervous Records, so it's a pleasure to talk with you guys. Just as a, you know, it's just a pleasure to talk to you guys, and I'll see you guys in Miami. Got a dip. Awesome, man. Um, I appreciate it. Wish, wish, me, wish yeah. me luck. Uh, I'm going to, again, it's been a while since I was at Record Shop. I think I've been a, a, gone since Terry. But, yeah, this is a great job. Happy to support. And, again, um, you guys are part of my story without even knowing it. So uh, the the hustle like none other. So respect. Awesome. awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, Abana, I see you have your hand up. Yeah, I had a couple questions. Um, firstly, how many packs are there? I believe there's 500 in the drop or a little over 500. Maybe yeah. 520 okay, cool. and there's like a couple reserved for. Let me see how many we have left right now. Might take a minute though. <laughs> Sorry, I was gonna say you got to give it up to Top Shot because I'm using my Top Shot money to buy some packs. I, I want to say that there's a little over 400 left. I think cool. I could be wrong. Well, I'm buying a couple now, so uh, ha happy to to collect for sure. Awesome, man. Well, now, that's is the thing. Gonna do a Discord as well, uh, outside of whatever you guys have in the record shop Discord, or uh, what's the what's the I, plan for I, that? What for us or? 
Yeah, for Nervous Records, yeah. I think, you know, I'm I'm happy to drop into Discord from time to time, but to, to start, and it's just another thing to maintain. It's like getting a dog. I don't need a dog right now. Um, but, you know, to maintain a Discord, I've been in some a lot of Discords, and to maintain them well, it's kind of like its own full-time job, I think. Um, and nothing looks worse than a, an unmaintained and not active Discord. Discord. I mean, I... I will counter that because I, I have a, I have my own Discord for all of my collectors and so on and so forth. Okay. You know, I, I don't have a very active Discord, but I still keep in touch with my collectors and my collectors hold my floor higher than I could have ever imagined without me saying a damn thing. But I think it's, uh, especially being in this space for so long, um, I've done some consulting for some really big projects as well, as well as some really big corporations and labels and companies. I think one of the big things is... Uh, I, I know uh, Discord is very intimidating, but I think one thing that it does kind of help is just like the communication, um, especially when you have a lot of collectors, um, you know, and, you know, and hoping you guys can sell out as well. Uh, 500 or, you know, 300 or 200 collectors is, is uh, definitely a good access point. And, you know, I, like I said earlier, uh, you know, I independently got number one on, on a genre and overall releases. Uh, with with zero help and i i the only help i can say is the the community that i had in my discord that you know we, we don't talk every day so and i know how how much charting helps labels and, and artists alone so uh i would i would highly recommend it and if you need help with it i'm, I'm happy to help and i can put you in touch with people that can set it up for you for for a fairly fairly good price and and you know they've got plenty of skin in the game to help you guys out and they love music so uh that's that's the most important part Oh, I appreciate that, man. I'm, I'm going to take a look into that for sure. I'd love to know, like, where how you guys communicate with your fan base at the moment. Like, what what do you what drives the needle the furthest? Uh, because again, your your demographic is probably skewing a little bit older than um, you know some of the labels like Monster Cat and Spinning and so forth in the dance music space. Uh, so, what do you what do you find like moves the merch the best, and and how do you communicate with your fan base um you know i think uh it just seems pretty um organic you know we basically just do a drop on items it pretty i'd say you know 80 percent of the time we're pretty on point in terms of we get a certain amount of average average item i'd say 10 dozen you know it's not too much it's not like we have a huge warehouse scenario so um it seems like the audience is there to support like andrew said the way the system is set up, every time an order comes in, it's like an email comes in to everybody sees it. So we do see similar uh, names, but um, you know we keep trying to push the envelope again on merch, keep doing things more interesting. You know the uh, just mer merchandise industry in general. You know there's so much great things you can do with t-shirts and just hoodies, basic items. So we um, you know obviously our number one focus is always the music and the DJs we work with. So that's like a side thing. We don't really have. There's been times over the years that we've had people dedicated just to that. You know, at one point, we actually shipped 2,000 record bags from China, like in the 90s. You know, 2,000 at a pop. Every couple of years, we were selling so many record bags. We had a big warehouse back then. But um, that was there was a person dedicated to doing just the merch. But right now, we kind of do everything in-house. Just to, you know, again, it's part of the bigger picture of keeping the label as visible as possible. So um, I don't know. You know, we, we have a photo shoot coming up in two weeks uh, in front of Bergheim in, in Berlin and in various parts of Berlin, 
try to keep the try to keep the photo shoots interesting. Um, Andrew's always really good. I mean, Andrew's you know, just a wizard. I think finding photographers that are somewhat obscure, but that somehow would match the energy that we have with our items. So, yeah, I always say we're very thankful. I mean, I always say if we ever have a case room, basically we're just swallowed up in the office by boxes, then we'll stop. But it seems like whenever you know we get stuff in, it goes out. So, uh, like you said, Nick, we've been doing it for so long. I don't think there's any specific you know, direction we have. We just kind of know it works. The logo sells itself. It's been like that since day one. For whatever reason, that logo has, you know, and again, after that point, we saw a lot of labels come up and have logos. And, you know, now the industry is so filled with logos. Everyone has a logo. But for whatever reason, that one still seems to resonate. Yeah, and a, a couple years ago, it was probably like maybe four or five years ago now, but we did a collaboration with this uh, high fashion streetwear brand. Uh, you know, it was just a limited, limited capsule collection, and the prices were were astronomically high. Um, but being in the you know, in that fashion world, but it kind of got us thinking. You know, what if we were to in house do the more high quality, uh, limited edition uh, clothing runs? And we we did that. We, we have this uh, great guy out in L.A., and we did that for our thirtieth anniversary. Um, we have another capsule drop coming probably this winter with some really interesting items that I don't think really any uh, electronic labels are doing um, yet. So it'll be curious to see how that does, but I, I think they're going to move well. So maybe if we sell that, we can add one of those special to the drop too once once we get the, the pictures. But I don't want to give it away. <laughs> Love it. And uh, shout out to Sez from the Record Shop team in here. I know he worked really hard on, you know, helping dial this drop in and, him and I and Lisa were all going back and forth trying to figure out what the best model is. Because um, what's what's tricky about the space is, um, in some ways, we're at the mercy of the space and what's going on in the markets and uh, what's sustainable. Um, and obviously, there's the greater economic situation going on. But um, Web3 as a whole just has a narrative around it um, at the moment that impacts what happens in the marketplace um, in time, I'm hoping, especially with record shops pricing being that it's affordable and it's really approachable for the average fan to just get in the door, that we kind of grow out of that. Um, and that's what I'm most excited about it. Uh, Abana, I see you got your hand up again. Feel free to jump in. I know we're going to be wrapping this up in a few. Yeah, absolutely. Um, are you guys giving any uh, access to collectors for submitting music uh, for the label or anything of that sort? Um, and the reason I'm asking all these questions, I do a stream uh, that started with NBA Top Shot and NFTs, but um, we talk about music NFTs a lot. Um, so whenever we, uh, I'm going to open my packs, uh, of this drop on stream next week. Um, and I know we're going to get some questions about it. So I just want to be fully informed and, uh, you know, pass the people your way. I don't, I don't, th I feel like it would be n not morally right to, to gate access to, to, to release the music that we're releasing. Um, you know, I think we're, we're very approachable and I, I think it just doesn't sit right with me to. Hey, in order to send me a demo, you got to buy this pack. I'm well, not ready. necessarily like that. I'm just saying, like, um, I mean, because obviously, like, there's a promo email to send stuff to for consideration for the label. But uh, is was there another something else that might, you know, give you guys a bit of extra utility that uh, collectors could, you know, have a different email to send it to that is specifically coming from this source? 
I'm not sure that I'm following. Because, uh, like, I, I'm, I'm sure you guys are getting, you know, hundreds of promos a day is what I'm saying. You're, you know, or a week um, being being the label that you guys are. Um, I haven't personally sent anything over myself yet, but um, one of the things that, I, you know, I think I've seen some other bigger people within the house kind of side of things of doing this is uh, they've had like a dedicated email for the collectors that have, you know, kind of supported the labels and stuff. So I was just asking if there was possibly a second, you know, a secondary email that you guys might be taking promos for the collectors just to kind of help them not have to go through the same kind of pipeline of shit. I mean, Sounds like Abana needs to basically intern for Nervous and run their Discord. <laughs> yeah. Man, I've been in the music guy. industry for 15 years as well, my guy. I have not interned anymore. <laughs> nice. Respect. No, but yeah, respect to you guys as a label, man. It's cool to see you guys here. Um, you know, I'm happy to... I'm glad, glad I was able to collect some. And uh, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to seeing what we can do. I mean, I, I'm only here. Someone mentioned free food, but I didn't really get the get it. So, <laughs> sorry, it's a digital NFT free food. <laughs> <I'm fine. laughs> um, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, the NFT market and like ebbing and flowing. I'm curious, just because, like, at, from the collector side, again, I'm not a producer. I've never released any music, so I don't really understand how that might work. Um, not in Web three. But do you see those kind of same ebbs and flows, um, whether you're releasing on Beatport or doing more traditional methods, or has it been pretty steady over the past few years? I'd say, well, it, strangely enough, during the pandemic, I don't know about strange, but the pandemic was a real boom time, you know, for anything digital related. Obviously, people were streaming music and people were streaming movies. So that was, um, the whole industry really elevated its numbers it's come down since then, but um, I don't know, Andrew. I think you would agree. Our numbers are pretty consistent. You know, yeah. One- I, I I don't think the 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 income so much ebbs and flows, but the I, I guess genres ebb and flow. But that's pretty typical, kind of with that with anything, whether it's you know what kind of movies are being made in in Hollywood or you know what kind of items are fashionable and each year in Fashion Week. But yeah, I think the income is, at at the very least stays the same, and when you get a hot one, it's it goes up for a couple months. Um, and the kind of the same thing with um, physical releases. So we had a, a couple of great years with our thirty year um, physical pack, and uh, obviously we do great with Louis Vega on the physical side. Um, but yeah, cool. Thanks. And again, I want to open up the floor. Um, I know we don't have a huge audience in today, but uh, we do have some people up. If you do have any questions, now is a great time to, uh, to come up and ask. We will wrap up in a few minutes, but um, it's your time to get in. Like we said, it's these legends that we've got here with us, and we really, really appreciate your time, Andrew and Mike. It's been really fun getting to know you guys and know what you're thinking about with this Web3 space. So I'm really excited. Uh, if you haven't picked up yet their drop, it is available on Record Shop for only $20 US. Um, and you can use your credit card or your Dapper Balance. And uh, you get with that 10 tracks. And uh, they are really, really fun. So I really recommend adding that to your collection. It's such a great value. All right. Let me just look, see if we got anybody raising their hand for questions. We covered it all, I think. Uh, thank you so much, Andrew and Mike, for coming on here and, of course, uh, putting together a drop. Oh, 
Last second, Urban Owl jumping in with a question. We'll let him up. Hang on. Love it. And Urban Owl has been a collector on Record Shop for uh, quite a while now. I think you came, I'm trying to remember what drop you came in with. Was that with Ava? I did. I actually came in uh, right around Ava. Welcome. I don't think we've ever had you come up and speak before. So welcome. Uh, you got some questions or burning things you want to ask? Yeah. Uh, nervous? Yeah, definitely. I think with the state of the music industry itself, it's really hard to uh, to gauge where it would be going. But where do you foresee you guys uh, label going forward, uh, given that there's the Web3 space and Web2, you know, traditional DSPs over the next few years? Um, well, in terms of the label, where the label is going, you know, we always try to stay um, on top of the, the next level, the next kind of music that's happening. But sometimes things happen that really, they guide you where to go. When you get an axe, once, you know, it's like lightning sometimes just strikes and you find an artist who's, who's really got something special. And one hot artist, you know, just blows up can really, that takes up all the energy and, it, and deservedly so. It happens much more infrequently now than in the past. You know, the music industry in the past has been, it's always propelled by, by hit records and hit artists. But there's very few in dance, you know, because a lot of people do okay, but someone breaking through in a massive way. But, um, I mean, for example, when we got the hip-hop, we signed this group Black Moon, and for that was it. I mean, when we signed that group, everything, everything was just Black Moon because they were that huge. So for us, you know, the industry in general it's it's so many one-offs so many people coming out with different releases so the label almost has to act as an artist it's keeping it interesting for the fan base but if an act an act comes through i mean like i said before andrew's really good at finding new artists who then seem to blow up if an act comes through that we really need to develop and, and put extra special time on then we'll do that but uh, in terms of overall we we're in it you know it's it's the love of the game i mean it's a yeah, obviously everyone has to eat but it, it really is a labor of love when you love what you do, it's not really work. So we just love the music and then the culture that it represents. So as long as we're standing, literally, you know, we'll still be doing this. Yeah, uh, it's not a huge. I just um, feel like um, the way that things have been over the last few years. You know, you got that that TikTok goldfish mentality that I call it. You know, the fifteen seconds of uh, of of getting in yeah. their mind, and it's so hard to combat within the industry right now. And it's how are you guys navigating that? I, you know, it's 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 hard to 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 not fall. I guess, that I guess what I'm trying to say is, is like, how are you how are you combating that 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 15 seconds of attention span with, with today's market in, in the industry? You know, I don't, it's I been don't, it's been tough. I don't think it's do. been real tough. Um, I don't I don't think you do. I think you know TikTok is is obviously huge, and you know it can help. It gives people the ability to you know reach potentially millions of people. But I think once you once you kind of stop what you're doing and try to, you know, release a track specifically focused on TikTok, I think you kind of lose sight of why we are where we're still here. You know, it's if it's not TikTok today, and I'm sure in a couple of years from now it'll be something else. So I, I think all we, you know, it's I forget, you know, there's um, it's one of the guys I follow, you know, the publishing associations. You know, it it all starts with the song. And, and I think, you know, when you get more involved in the business, a good, I'll take a good song um, over something, you know, trendy on TikTok um, any day. But that's me. Right. The thing is, um, the people who support Nervous also, I do think 
a lot of them might might skew a little bit older. So, and I see it in the shows too. You know, when we produce shows that are, you know, I don't know, the demos maybe thirty five to forty five or even older, but that audience still appreciates the music. So, I think we do try to cater to the audience that's been loyal to us. Um, I know what you mean though, like the TikTok thing. So many labels now, especially the major labels, that's all they do. All they do literally is they look for TikTok. Hits. So, but that's another world, you know. That's like it, it, it's a different to me. It's always major label business has always been a different industry altogether. The the problem has always been that you know platforms like Spotify that are important for everybody. Once they get co opted in by the majors, then you lose a, you you lose a, an area you can do it. Sirius XM. Remember in the beginning, satellite radio was two things. It was Sirius. It was XM. So you had double the platforms where you could really get music exposed. When they combine, then again it becomes a little more corporate. You're dealing with bigger numbers, you know, heads of heads of departments. But um, yeah, I, I mean, as long as the as long as there's an audience there who's been with us somewhat, going back not to the very beginning, but for a while, they're going to appreciate the more you know, the, I'd say the more quality based house and techno music that we represent. Um, but you can't deny like the streets always talk. You know, it's like when hip hop first blew up, everyone said there's no way to last. There's no way TikTok is going away. I think it's going to get less. At 15 seconds, soon you're going to have a platform that gives you a solid five seconds of a track. What do you do then? Yeah, you know, either you're in or you're out. <laughs> That's a great place and quote to end on. And uh, <laughs> thank you again for Mike and Andrew from Nervous Records coming in here. You can grab the drop, the box set of Nervous Records on app.recordshop.com record shop's website it's live right now we're working towards a sellout uh as we get there they have some really cool unlocks uh including an exclusive album that you get advanced copy of and uh some vintage merch that's really dope uh that a fun fact heard today that uh was worn by one of the backstreet boys which is just mind-blowing doesn't even make sense awesome stuff thank you guys so much for coming on we're here every week on wednesdays Thanks, guys. And uh, we'll see Thanks you guys lot, soon. Guys. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Hey fam, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. We hope you found it informative and fun. To learn more about Record Shop, visit us at recordshop.com. That's R-C-R-D-S-H-P dot com. <laughs>